0: Thank you once again for being here this morning. I uh, hope and pray that the time that you spend here is beneficial to you and um, you, you benefit from it. Satan is on the prowl. He um, he wants us to feel like nothing. He wants us to feel like garbage. He wants to devalue us. He wants to take away everything great about us and completely crush us into nothing. And in a lot of ways, he does a really good job of that. My goal with this next series is to instill within each and every one of us that no matter where we are, no matter what we've done, no matter what garbage and junk and mess we've made of whatever it is we're thinking about that Satan's trying to get us to think about, that God can use those very things Little old me to get his will accomplished. We're starting a new series today entitled Perfect Imperfection. God does some amazing things with people in his word, both Old Testament and New Testament. We're going to look at several of those over the next few weeks. The guy we're going to look at today, his name was Abraham. In our discussion groups this morning, we were able to spend a few minutes looking at part of his story and, and find out exactly where he was at and what he was, what he was doing and the promise that God made to him. He was the beginning of a great nation, the Israelites. And later, they're known as the Jews. Later in this series, we're going to look at Moses and David and Solomon and Paul and James. And then we'll end with, with Joseph and Mary. God found these people... <laughs> extremely useful yet they had some amazing flaws, flaws in which we would think would would disqualify them from even being God's people how many of you this week have felt like you were disqualified from being one of God's chosen people yeah, me too Satan wants us to feel that way he wants to defeat us. He wants to discourage us with that. The point I want you to get from this series is this. God's perfect will can get accomplished through an imperfect you. Through your imperfection, God's perfect will can get accomplished. Let's look at the story of Abraham. Abraham was Faith personified. You could start in Genesis chapter 12 and read all through Genesis chapter 25. And you'll see story after story after story where Abraham was faith personified. He took on what it was God wanted him to take on. And he was faith. He's a definition of faith. We go back to to Hebrews chapter 11. And and we call this the the faith hall of fame. We see faith busts, right, from about here up in the the Sports Hall of Fames. We see in this Hall of Faith just this much from here up of what these people got accomplished for God. Look at it with me, Hebrews chapter 11. I think this one's on the screen. Hebrews chapter 11. What is that weird box up there? I need to figure these things out. I'm glad I turn around once in a while to see how how things work and don't work. The imperfection is going to be amazing today. Just be aware of it. Since I acknowledge that there is imperfection, we will see it very clearly today. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Abraham himself set up set up pretty good for himself. He was 75 years old. I don't know if there's anybody here that's 75. Anybody close to 75? Pretty close, Lindsay? There's there's some of us getting close. What would it be like to work your tail off and get to 75 years old and God says it's time for you to up and leave? Leave your place, leave your home, leave what you've gotten accomplished and I'm going to set up something new for you. His wife couldn't have kids in those times. There wasn't Social Security. There wasn't 401Ks. Those times, if you didn't have, if you didn't have kids, you didn't have anything. Girls were great, but all you received from girls was a dowry. You wanted boys in your, in your clan, in your, in your family, so that you could continue and they could take care of you in your old age. When God came knocking, Abraham was in a very good place. He'd been working hard and he'd got himself set up for old age. I love this about Abraham. He was wise. Look what he did. It was by faith, Abraham what? Obeyed. Abraham obeyed. This world is oftentimes, uh, and, and oftentimes people in the church even, are, are constantly floundering around. We can't find purpose or we can't find meaning in life. And always looking for the next big thing to satisfy us. I believe we struggle with this life because we don't do what Abraham did. By faith, obey. Every time God says jump, we ask how high on the way up. That's what it should be. Rather than, well, I just I just really don't know. I, I just really don't know if I should love my spouse as much as I, I love my job and, and my this or my that. I just really don't know if I should take my kids the way God wants me to because, you know, it's really hard and it's really a lot of work and the, and the world doesn't really agree with what God says about, about raising kids anyway. Abraham obeyed out of faith. He trusted God. Anytime we obey God's will for our lives, we're saying, God your way is the best. Anytime we disobey God's will, what are we saying? God, my way is better than your way. We short circuit what it is God's trying to get accomplished. Go with me back to Genesis chapter 12. I don't know if I put this one on there. It's a little long. Nope, I didn't. I skipped it. Okay, you're gonna have to go with me. You know where Genesis is? It's in the beginning the very beginning of the Bible. It's the easiest one to find because it's the the very first one. Genesis chapter 12, go with me there. Look at this story. I want you to see what took place. I want you to hear it from from exactly the way uh, it was written down for us to understand. 12 verse one says, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your families, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. What if we stop right there? What if God came to you and said, hey, I'm going to do something great with you. Do you ever get those feelings where, where you maybe, maybe have a dream or maybe, maybe you have a daydream or something happens and, and you think, oh man, something is something really good is about to happen, right? I just won the lottery. You ever, you ever think about what would happen? I mean, just really sit down and think about what would take place if I won $10 million today? I'd probably make a bigger mess of my life. But, but thinking about that for, for a few minutes and thinking about what would take place if that was the greatest thing for you. It may not be. Maybe something else. Maybe a uh, a, a nice car or a nice house or a, you know maybe, maybe it's just thinking about something great and then reality sets in like oh I didn't win have you ever seen those videos where someone gives a fake um, lottery ticket to someone and they scratch it off and ah oh, I won I I <laughs> and then you look at the back and it's like this is a fake that that feeling of oh man Abraham had the feeling look, so he departed the land as he was instructed, and Lot went with him. Abraham was seventy five years old when he left Haran. he took his wife, Sarai, his neighbor his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people that had taken into his household at Haran. He headed for the land of Canaan when they arrived in Canaan. Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem, there he set up camp uh, by an oak tree, Mor- Morah. mora at, at that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. God promised him this land but there's all kinds of people there and it sounds like they're insects. I think there should be an insect called Canaanite because that <laughs> sounds like an insect doesn't it? Like ants or termites or they're Canaanites like termites. Maybe that's why I think that they were covering the land that Abraham was just promised. Abraham, Abraham lived in a strange land as a stranger. Then God promised a son At almost the age of 100 by this time, uh, Abraham grabs some flowers and he comes into his old lady wife and he says, Sarah, God said this time it's going to work. Do you want it? Abraham's faith must have rubbed off on Sarah a little bit. This is an amazing story. It's an absolutely bizarre and amazing story. And it's funny that we, we read it and overread it and reread it again and reread it again and, it again and we, we get numb to it. We get to the point where ah, it's just Bible. But think about what happened here. That's amazing. This is a great story of faith. Then God says, I gave you your son in your old age, now I want you to sacrifice him. I want you to take him up on the mountain and I want you to offer him to me as a sacrifice. Parents won't even discipline their kids in the way God wants them, let alone take him up on the mountain and sacrifice if God wants them to. God stopped Abraham from literally sacrificing his son because this one was only a test. Ever hear those stupid things come on the radio? And it goes on for like eight days. This is only a test. If this were an actual emergency, it would, be, it would be followed by the information. that. What happens? Why are there tests of the emergency broadcasting system before there's actually a storm that you need to be pay attention to? Because it gets you ready for the actual thing, right? Why do kids take tests at school? Gets them ready for real life, right? Well, supposedly. <laughs> Abraham went through faith faith, event after faith event after faith event and then comes the test it's bizarre to me that, that he throws the test in after he's already done so many real things but this is the way God works he sends the test and Abraham's on his way up the mountain he's like okay I'm, I'm on my way this is a foreshadow of what our father in heaven did for us right sacrificing his son that scapegoat was there. Christ paid our penalty like Justin just talked about. Abraham passes the test. Look at Romans 4 and verse 16. It says, So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift and we are all certain to receive it whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. If we have faith like Abraham's, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. This man was faith personified he was everything faith was how did Abraham know it was right for him to go up on the mountain and sacrifice his son what was that little voice inside of his head people say if you eat cheese you have weird dreams here you believe that has anybody ever heard that no maybe it's just me what causes weird dreams for you Anybody have anything that they do that causes weird dreams? You go to sleep? Somebody said that if you eat cheese, you have weird dreams, right, before you go to bed. Somebody said it. I don't know where I heard it. Just go with me on this, all right? So, so parents, if you have a weird dream and God asks you to take your child and go up on the mountain and sacrifice them, please just chalk it up to the bad cheese, okay? Because God is not going to ask you to sacrifice your child. How did Abraham know it was from God and not just bad cheese? If we read Genesis 12 through Genesis 25, we will see that Abraham is talking and walking with God all throughout his life. Step after step after step. God had proven himself over and over and over again to Abraham. Look at it. Uh, Genesis 22. Jump with me to 22 verse 3. It says, The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire, for a burnt offering, and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, this wasn't just, oh, let's happen into the backyard. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship then, there, and then, what does your Bible say? We will be right back. We will come right back. Abraham knew something was up. He knew that he and his son would come back because he knew that this was the promise. He had faith. Hebrews talks about it. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 17. He says, It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned, verse 19 says, Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God would be able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. You see this? The reason Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son is because Abraham had been following and obeying God all the way along. This guy was amazing. He had amazing trust in God. He didn't have it all figured out, but he was willing to obey at any cost. This was the best of the best. This was perfection. This was faith personified. Now we go beyond the perfection. There was a little lie that was shared. Look at Genesis chapter 12, verses 10 through 13. At that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abraham to go down to Egypt, where he lived as a foreigner. As he was approaching the border of Egypt... Abraham said to his wife, Sarai, look, you're a very beautiful woman cruising down the road, custom camel, custom exhaust, right? Sure, it was pretty awesome having a chit chat with his beautiful wife of 75. They must have had something going back there because she was beautiful. And she was old just like him. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife, let's kill him. Then we can have her. So please tell them you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. She's my sister. What did the father of faith just do? What did this monumental father of everyone who believe just do? He lied. And what's crazy, it's a pattern. Because look, if you jump over with me to Genesis chapter 20, we find the same thing happening again except to someone else. Abraham moved to the Negev and lived for a while between Kadesh and Shur, and then he moved to all these different places. Abraham introduced his wife Sarah by saying... She is my sister. (laughs) It's sort of a pattern. This lie, this half-truth, caused more and more and more major unintended consequences. Isn't that what happens? Isn't that the way it usually works? This legacy was started. Abraham tells a half-truth to a stranger. Then Isaac, his son, tells a full lie to a stranger, right? Look over at Genesis chapter 26. Go with me. It's not on the screen. Genesis 26. This little legacy begins to, to continue. Isaac deceives Abimelech. What does Isaac say to Abimelech? She's my sister. The same exact lie that his dad told all I can say is these guys should have been, they shouldn't have married, should have married all these beautiful women. You should have married ugly. I'm telling you, you wouldn't have had to lie about it. Then Jacob tells a justifiable lie to his father. Genesis twenty-seven. Jump over a, a, a chapter. Genesis twenty-seven. Down to verse. Uh, let's see. I think the lie happens in. Uh, Uh, Kind of in verse nineteen. Look, are you there? Are you there with me? Genesis twenty-seven. Look at verse nineteen. Says Jacob replied, (laughs) "It's Esau, your firstborn son." Jacob replied, "Hey, I'm Esau. Wait, that's not who he was." Then look what looks what look what he says. I've done as you told me. Here's the wild game. Now sit up and eat it, so you can give me your blessing. Isaac asked. How did you find it so quickly, my son? Now, Isaac, or yeah, Isaac goes and and he pulls God in on this lie. Look at what he says. (laughs) How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God put it in my path, Jacob replied. He made this deer just run right in front of me. God helped me. Yeah, right. Jacob tells a lie to his father then Jacob's son Jacob's sons all twelve of them well eleven of them number eleven becomes his favorite the ten older ones tell lies um, a bad parenting uh, Joseph got a coat of many colors that was a bad idea that was just a bad idea but the bottom line is one of these brothers decides so let's, let's take his life Let's get rid of this guy. Let's get rid of this dreamer. Let's get rid of this this crazy kid that has this coat of many colors. They actually sell him as a slave, dip his coat in a goat's blood. There wasn't DNA testing back there. Um, Jacob wasn't able to go and actually test the blood. He just saw it and believed it. How long did he believe this lie, by the way? It was a long time, wasn't it? It was a long period of time. Jacob sits in utter Dismay and utter, utter demise, because his favorite son was killed by a wild animal. Not until way later in Jacob's life does he find out that Joseph is still alive. Not because they were facing death like their great-grandfather, not because not because there was a, a blessing that was going to get missed, like Isaac. Simply because they hated their spoiled, rotten little brother. This is the progression. It's generational sin. Smell what I'm stepping in here. We think our sin is just between us and God. We think it's just between us and God. We think it's all, you know, it's, it's all right. Nobody, nobody else see it. Two things happen when we think this one in the unseen or i should say in the seen world we get watched abraham got watched he thought it was just a conversation between him and him and sarah on the camels but it didn't turn out that way it went far beyond that in the seen world we get watched in the unseen satan gets a foothold yikes everything we do has consequences and ripples this story, it leads us to this understanding. He thought I'll protect my own skin and, and let the little truth go unspoken, and it'll probably, it probably won't really matter. It did matter, and in a really big way. So let's app it up. There's an app for that. Let's apply what we just heard about this imperfect Person that God used to get great things accomplished. The truth about deception. The truth designed to deceive is a lie. Did you hear me? A truth designed to deceive is a lie. We can be tempted to say true words that will lead others to believe a lie. Never hide behind a technicality. If your boss, if your if lawyer, if your parent tells you okay, don't fall for it. It's still a lie. James chapter 5 and verse 12 says, My brothers and sisters above all, do not use an oath when you make a promise. Don't use the name of heaven or earth or anything else to prove what you say. When you mean yes, say only yes. When you mean no, say only no. So you will not be judged guilty. A truth designed to deceive is a lie. Secondly, don't wreck the surprise birthday party. Don't overdo this principle, right? Don't go, don't go crazy with this. There's constantly people running around with zero social skills that wreck everybody's surprise birthday party in the name of speaking the truth, right? Hey, look at our new baby. <laughs> She's ugly. Do we say that? Oh, it's a baby. That's what you're supposed to say if it's really ugly baby. Oh, it's a baby. So Matt, if I come up to you and Brittany in a little while... After this baby's born, say, oh, it's a baby! You'll know. <laughs> Don't wreck people's surprise birthday party. Tell, tell Matt and Brittany that the baby's beautiful. All right. Don't be ruining people's surprise birthday parties. You see the difference, though. There's a few legalistic, pin-headed Christians running around letting everybody's yeah, letting their yes be yes and ruin everybody's surprise birthday parties. Don't become legalistic. Don't become pharisaical in this idea of always sharing the truth and always being honest. Do lose the sale. What do I mean by that? If you have to be dishonest in any way when it comes to financial gain, walk away. If your loan broker says, well, just just write this or just just say this. Everyone else is doing it and it's working out just fine. Mm -mm. Walk away from that deal. Do not go there. If you get to deal with a little truth here and a little less truth there, essentially what you've done, like Abraham, you've gone to Egypt and you told them she's your sister. Might work out for a little while, but dishonesty will always catch up with you. Proverbs nineteen twenty two, look at this verse. This is awesome. It's only human to want to make a buck, but it's better to be poor than a liar. Don't doctor up that resume just to make yourself sound good to get the better job. Say it like it is. You'll go a lot farther that way. Are things worth your integrity? No. Heaven's going to be this really cool place and if you throw out your integrity to make a sale or get a loan or, or pretty up your resume for a good job, you'll miss out on heaven. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Lose the sale before you tell a lie. But I want us to understand that sometimes sometimes a lie is justified. We live in a fallen world. When I lie, I'm afraid. When I lie, I, I want to advance myself. When I lie, I just I don't want to avoid poverty. That's totally wrong. Absolutely, totally wrong. But in a fallen world, sometimes we have to choose a lesser of two evils. The only justifiable time is when it protects a life. I mentioned it the other day. But if you were put in a position of protecting someone from a life-ending danger, it's justified. If you're hiding Jews from Nazis, would you tell them the truth when they came to your door? We go back and forth on this, right? We go back and forth. This is a, what, do I, what do I do? What do I, but answer me this one. How many of you in your lifetime have held and hid a Jew from a Nazi? Anybody? Anybody? No, we haven't. We have this tendency to try to define reality by exceptions. We say, oh, well, it would have been, it would have been the end of, at the end of our lives if we would have. No, it wouldn't have been. You might have missed out on one meal. You might have missed out on a paycheck or two. You might have missed out on that little bit bigger house. But you know what? It's not worth it. Sometimes a lie is justified, but only when it protects someone's life. Remember, the last thing here, remember that the kids are watching. This is real. As a counselor's youth leader, as a minister, I hear stories constantly about people's parents. I like to ask the question about people's parents because I learn a lot. I learn a great deal from not lying and questioning. But what I've learned more than anything is that parents rarely get away with anything. It scares me to death. You could be dishonest now and think you're covering it up, but let me tell you, it'll all come out later. To some youth minister somewhere. <laughs> to some minister somewhere along the line, it's going to come out. They hear what you do and then they make their own definition and how to work it out well well we well tell them I'm not here if the phone rings yeah and we're shocked we're we're blown away and we're just completely appalled when they come upstairs and say oh yeah dad my homework's done what parents realize your kids are watching and they're learning And realize that their boundaries and and their application is different from yours. The little things matter in your walk with God. Abraham's little lie had very big consequences. We don't want to allow that to happen. Godly perfection in an imperfect human. Abraham was the father of all who believed. The passage says he was the father of all who believed. yet you know what? He told a very costly lie that started a a huge, a huge roller coaster, a huge uh, landslide of more lies to follow. Just realize that you yourself, It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how many flaws you have. God can still use you. We still think of Abraham. We still read the hall of faith. Abraham is still there. His name wasn't erased, and it never will be. God used him, imperfect Abraham, to get amazing things accomplished. Let's pray. God in heaven, we thank you so much for being our God. We thank you for the hope that we have. Being such knuckleheads sometimes. Just failing after failure after failure in our own lives. God, help us to realize that that's just Satan trying to get us down. That's just Satan trying to discourage us and make us into a pile of rubbish. But God, help us to realize that even though we do fail and that we do fall... We can get back up and still be used by you. God, help us with this one. Help us with this this one about about lying, about being honest. God, help us not to be deceived by Satan and think it's okay. Help us to be real with who we are. May this things in Jesus' name.